You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. What a joy on Christmas Eve to join together with all of us together to celebrate this wonderful time of Jesus being born. We've been journeying as a church through the book of Luke, through the gospel of Luke. And so we've been reading each day in December, on December 1st, Luke 1, December 2nd, Luke 2, and journeying through it, and also with a devotional guide, Salvation Has Come. And so we've been on a journey. So we get here on this December 24th, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 24, and also Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is the birth of Christ, and Luke chapter 24 is the resurrection of Christ. And my hope is that we'll be able to put some puzzle pieces together so that we'll be able to understand that this baby born in Bethlehem, these swaddling cloths in Bethlehem, this small little baby will be the resurrected Christ. Lots of babies born in Bethlehem, but nobody else resurrected in Jerusalem. And to put all of those things together of understanding who Jesus is. So we're going to put a puzzle together, puzzle pieces together to journey together. So let me ask you a question as we kind of get ready. I want a little crowd participation here. How many of y'all are holiday puzzle people? Some point you're going to say, we're getting a puzzle out and we're doing it. Raise your hand if you are puzzle people. Come on, raise them high. Anybody out there? All right. How many of y'all are like me and you're like, oh no, not the puzzles, not the puzzles. There you go. Okay. Okay. We've got a good group with that as well. We've got puzzle people. We've got non-puzzle people, but it seems like it often comes out that there's a puzzle to be done somewhere around the holidays. Well, I did a little research and the world's largest puzzle is a puzzle that is 60,000 pieces to put together. 60,000 pieces. I got a picture of it, of the people pulling it in. Literally, this is off the internet. It takes two people to take this puzzle It's 61,000 puzzle piece puzzles that come together to make the entire world, this magnificent thing here of the entire world. I want you to notice there that the dad is not involved in this. Do you see that? (laughs) The dad's like, I ain't doing that. Hey, no, or he's, you know, making a bicycle somewhere else uh, as a little assembly required type thing. But the dad's not in here. So, and I don't even think that these three got this whole thing done together. You know, I think this was staged. But this magnificent is what it is, as they say that this magnificent puzzle comes together of the entire world. And it comes together with 61,000 piece puzzles. Now, anything over 250, I'm out, all right? I like the big ones for kids about six years old. That's the kind I like. But this huge, big puzzle. Now, of course, where would you get something that big? Costco, of course, right? So you can get a thousand paper towels and a huge puzzle that takes two people to bring in here. Well, here's what we're going to do is we're going to put together, just real briefly, we're going to put together some puzzle pieces. And we've got something more magnificent than just the world map coming down on the floor. It, the puzzle is eight feet high, 29 feet wide is how long it is. So this is going to be even better because we're going to see that this baby in Bethlehem and this risen Savior in Jerusalem can be right here in our hearts in Houston. And God can do something in our lives. So I want you to look, if you will, uh, with me, we'll put it on the screen as well. We just read these verses of scripture uh, a moment ago in our service. So I'm going to begin in verse 13 is where I'm going to begin. And it's talking about the birth of Christ and the angels that have come to the shepherds. And it says this, suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people on whom his favor rests. 
When the angels had left them, they returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go straight. They're not, not going on a curvy road. They're going straight. They got a plan. They're going straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message and they were told about this child. And all who heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Now I want to flip over to Luke chapter 24, the resurrection of Christ, and show you one verse, verse 12. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. And when he stooped in and looked, he saw only the linen cloths, and he went away amazed at what had happened. I want you to say this word with me, amazed, on the count of three. One, two, three, amazed. Amazed, yes. So we've got here in the Christmas story, the angels break loose, and here they are opening up the heavens, and the shepherds are amazed, and everybody they tell is amazed. Then we have in Luke chapter 24 that the angels also appear to the women at the tomb, and Peter takes off running, and he gets there, and he's amazed. See, I want you to know this, the full cradle and the empty grave both bring amazement. The full cradle and the empty grave both bring amazement. Do you see the similarities? We've got angels at the birth. We've got angels at the resurrection. We've got shepherds running to Bethlehem. We've got Peter running to the tomb. We've got amazement of the shepherds and those who hear. We have amazement of Peter and those who hear as well. So we've got angels, we've got running, we've got shep or we've got uh, amazement for the shepherds or for Peter, and the full cradle brings amazement, and the empty grave does as well. Now it's really interesting. There's an angelic announcement that happens. Now here's what's great. I want you to think about this when you get home. I want you to look around your house, especially if you're a real big decorated house. How many angels do you have somewhere around your house? You got one on top of the tree, maybe. You got different places around that. Christmas angels that we have all over the house to be able to have to, to celebrate this. Well, angelic announcements were a big deal in the Bible. Let me give you a couple examples. The angels, angels were mentioned in 34 books of the Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible, 34, so just over half mention angels. Over a hundred times in the Old Testament, over 165 times in the New Testament. And God uses angels to usher in new periods of time on his kingdom calendar. So in creation, in Job chapter 38, verse six and seven, the angels join in in praise in the creation. So the creation of the world, we got angels. The giving of the Mosaic law, we read about it in Hebrews 2 and Galatians 3, that when Moses got the law, angels were surrounding at that moment. Christmas, we just read about angels. The early church where Cornelius receives a vision of the gospel, the good news that Jesus can save his soul as well. Peter is freed by angels. The second coming of Christ will be uh, uh, announced with angels as well. And so there's angelic announcements when big deals happen. So we see it at the Christmas story. We see it at the resurrection. We see it at the full manger. We see it at the empty tomb. We see it with the swaddling cloths that are filled with a baby. We see it with the linen cloths that no longer hold the Savior and Messiah who has been resurrected from the grave. And so we want to be people that are amazed by what God can do. And I just submit to you this. I think we need a little bit more amazement in our lives, a little bit more amazement. You ever feel like it's just Groundhog Day? Just same day? 
You're going to wake up and go to the same office. You're going to check the same phone. You're going to get the same emails. You're going to have the same problem person here and the same awesome person here. You're going to have the same traffic. You're going to have the same neighborhood. You're going to have the same house. You're going to have the same this. You're going to have the, everything's just going to be. Now, the sameness can also be a great blessing, okay? You should say, I got the same wife, and that's good. I got the same kids, and that's good, right? I got the same church. That's good. I got the same Savior. That's good. So it's not all bad. I'm not saying that. But there's some amazement that needs to happen in our life. And the closer we get to God, the more amazed we will be. The more we run to God, the more amazed we will be. I'll ask you this question. Are you running to God? Are you straight away to the gospel? Are you straight away to Bethlehem? Are you running to the tomb? Are you kind of like, hey man, I'm at church today because somebody invited me and I, I, I actually got the brakes on with the parking brake on right now. Or is there a feeling in your heart that you're like, Lord, you created me. If you created me, you know me. And the closer I get to you, the actually the closer I get to who I really am and fulfilling what you've really got for me. And so amazement and proximity to God are directly related. And so we want to be like the, the shepherds and run to Bethlehem. We want to be like Peter and run to the tomb. There's been a song, it's called Resurrender by Brooke Ligertwood. And she does an amazing job with this song, Resurrender, meaning I've surrendered before, but I need to resurrender. And you get to the bridge of it. I was listening to it even this very morning, several times and just getting ready for today. Here's what it says. If you're calling, we're coming. We're not walking, we're running. God, we need resurrender. So we resurrender. If you're calling, we're coming. And we're not walking, we're running. I was listening to it on my AirPods and I was just walking through the neighborhood and I got to that part. I just, just in kind of symbolic, I just said, I'm just gonna run. I just took off running. If you're calling, I'm coming. I'm not walking, I'm running. I want, and your heart of hearts wants God's will more than anything else in the world. No one's done you more wrong than you. And no one's done you more right than Jesus. And so we run to this angelic announcement and we are amazed because he brings the puzzle pieces together. Isn't that an incredible thought? So here he is. It's the, the savior of the world born in Bethlehem. And we're amazed because he brings the puzzle pieces together. And then we get all the way to Luke chapter 24 and we get to verse 12 and it says that they're amazed because he's resurrected. Now you can be born, but... That's great. A lot of people born. Resurrected's a whole new ball game. The puzzle pieces of Jesus are shown in the Bible. The prophecies of the Old Testament, the manger in Bethlehem, that he was born in Bethlehem, Micah chapter five, verse two, that it was be, that I want you, uh, that it was prophesied they'd be born in Bethlehem. The miracles and teachings of Christ's life, the cross on the hill of Calvary, the resurrection in Jerusalem, and what he's done in our very lives. Do you know that Jesus has fulfilled prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy? If you were to look further into Luke chapter 24, you would find in verse 27 that he says to these two men, he's walking with them, and he says this to them. He tells about their journey. It's the road to Emmaus. He's walking with these two men, and they don't realize they're walking with Jesus. He begins to explain something to them. Look at what he begins to explain, verse 27. Then the beginning, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that means the Old Testament from beginning to end. He interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all of the scriptures. Can you get that? Jesus is giving an Old Testament survey class to these two men. Beginning with Moses 
And ending with the prophets, basically that's the whole Old Testament. I'm gonna show you all the places I am. So when Jesus showed up in Bethlehem, it was not a mistake. It was not an accident. It was not a, huh, what's going on? It was a fulfillment of prophecy and all the puzzle pieces came together. His love for you, his care for you, his birth is showing that God is seeking us in hope. His life is showing us how to live. His cross is showing that Jesus died for us in sacrifice. His resurrection shows that God is mine and I am his for all of eternity. And when we get close to God, we walk with amazement. Amazement. I think back to my own life, think of your life. How's God led you? I hope you can look back and see some different things. Show you a picture of me as a little boy in one of the malls in Houston, native Houstonian. And here I am sitting on Santa's lap, looking at him with amazement right there on a corduroy throne. How about that for 1970s happening there? I'd have never thought how blessed I would be to trust in Jesus, to walk with Jesus, of what God could do in my life of what the Lord can do in your life. Hope you've got an amazement with God. And if you don't, I got great news for you. He's wide open to it. So if you're watching on the internet or on television or right here with us, God extends an invitation. Jesus is the only one who can bring the puzzle pieces together. Do you know that? And all of us have a puzzle piece or two in our life right now that we don't know where it goes. Where does this puzzle piece of grief land in my life today? Where does this puzzle piece of a broken relationship in this Christmas land? Where does this puzzle piece of the empty chair at the dinner table land? Where does this puzzle piece of your job land? Where does this puzzle piece of your family land, of your, of your marriage, of your singlehood, of whatever it is? We've all got something in our life. We keep trying to shove it in there and shove it in there and shove it in there and shove it in there. And I'm just telling you, only Jesus can bring the puzzle pieces together of your life because he's a creator and he sees the whole thing. You know how we do? We lay out the box, right? So you can see the whole thing. So if you're not a holiday puzzle piece person, you know still you lay out the box so you can see the whole thing. And Jesus Christ has got the box of your life. He's got the plan of your life. He's got the journey of your life. He knew from the beginning of creation that he would die on a cross in Jerusalem and that he would raise again from the grave so that he could be in your heart here in Houston. And you take your puzzle piece as I have with my life and try to continue to do and just say, Lord, I don't know where this goes. I'm not sure where this is. I'm not even sure if you're real. I'm not even sure what you're gonna do in my life, but Lord, I'm gonna give it to you. And what will happen is you will see God bring the puzzle pieces together in your life. I showed you the world's largest puzzle. I wanna show you if, if I can, I'm, I'm going a little far, but, I, but you'll get my point. The world's most important puzzle. This is a puzzle and I found as well that it's the life of Christ. And if you were to look on this puzzle piece or this puzzle, and you were to see all the way just going kind of left to right, it goes from his birth and it goes just like you're reading a sentence all the way down till finally angels down there in the bottom corner of his second coming. This puzzle piece that I hold in my hand is from that puzzle, from that puzzle. And only when we concentrate on this puzzle and we concentrate on the life of Christ, and we see that we all have a part to play in his plan, in his body, in his life. Only then will our life make sense. And I wonder if you've come today and you're trying to get God to work on your puzzle of you in the picture, 
Instead of saying, God, I want you to work on your puzzle and I want to be a part of it. I want you to do something because that's where the amazement comes. Now, here's what's kind of fun about this is we have purchased that puzzle. We purchased so many of them, they actually do not exist anymore, okay? The manufacturer, we had to call the manufacturer and we purchased so many of them because when you leave today, all of our campus throughout the city, there's gonna be a table at every exit that's gonna have thousands of pieces of the puzzle of that exact puzzle that are laid out on a table. And we want every one of you to take one piece of the puzzle. We want you to take it. We want you to put it on your refrigerator, on your nightstand, on your dashboard, on wherever you'll see it. Put it in your Bible, put it by your keys, whatever you gotta do to remember that God wants you and me to be a part of his plan. So if you were thinking, man, that, I'm getting that puzzle for my grandma for Christmas. We bought them all, too bad. Okay. But we got a piece for you, and you can get one little piece to be able to know that God has done something. Jesus brings the puzzle pieces together. Here's what I want you to know. Heaven declares that salvation has come. Heaven declares, you wrap this up for us, that salvation has come. Can I just put it together for us? Just our our piece-by-piece puzzle. The Old Testament began with creation. And we were created in the image of God and sin happened with Adam and Eve. And if we would have been there in the garden, we think we would have made a different decision. But let me just tell you what, there'd be fruit all over our face, right? Because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And so in that place where then they say, okay, well, well, how can we get out of this sin? Well, here's the law. If you'll keep the law perfect, Nobody can do it. But if you'll keep the law perfect, then everything will be great. That's Moses. And then we'll come through all the prophets of saying, no, you've got to come back to God. You've got to come back to God. You've got to come back to God. It's prophesied with the Messiah all through the Old Testament, hundreds, thousands of years to be able to come and to say, now the Savior has been born. He was born in the exact town he should be born, in the exact line he should be born, in the exact way that he should have been born. He's been declared by heavenly angels. He's declared that he's the Savior of the world. And if you didn't believe all that, if that wasn't enough for you. Well, that's cool. Then just watch because he's going to heal the blind. He's going to change water into wine. He's going to say, get up and walk, pick up your mat. Your sins are forgiven. He's going to have the tax collectors come to him. He's going to have a woman caught in adultery being forgiven. He's going to live this sinless life. They're not going to be able to accuse him of any wrong. They're going to come up with lies, but no sin at all, doing miracles and doing good. And then he's going to be crucified on a cross. He's going to say, but I could call a legion of angels down, but Lord, instead, forgive them. They know not what they do. Do You see the puzzle pieces just going in one by one by one by one so that the border's there, so that the inner's there, so then we finally get to that last one or that second to last one, I should say, and he puts it in and the stone rolls away and Easter happens and Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. Wow, that puzzle piece goes in. So that baby in Jerusalem prophesied in the Old Testament, sinless life, miraculous stuff that he does all the way through, now is crucified. The sky goes dark even for three hours, laid in a tomb. And he comes out of the tomb. Peter is amazed. Whoa! Amazing. And the last puzzle piece that's going to go in is when Jesus Christ returns. It's the only one that's lacking. 
And he's leaving that one open for this reason, to give you and me an opportunity to trust Jesus Christ as our savior. And we could say, Lord, I ask you to forgive my sins, to dwell in my heart, to be my savior. Wash me clean. There's no argument on my sin. I got that. I want you to save my soul. I did that when I was 16 years old. And then you're amazed by what God can do. So you're ready when that last puzzle piece comes and the whole thing's complete and Jesus has done it. You and I get to be a part of the story of walking with him. You don't need a Costco-sized puzzle. You don't need something that's that big. You need something that's more magnificent than the world. You need something magnificent from heaven. And that's Jesus Christ. And so when we sing Silent Night, we're also singing about an empty tomb and the whole thing comes together. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that only you can bring the puzzle pieces together. We have tried. We can't buy it. We can't willpower it. We can't force it. Only you can bring the puzzle pieces together. Many of us, we have held on to pieces of the puzzle trying to figure out where it goes, and we don't know. And we need you, God. So may we run to you, not just walk to you. If you're calling, we're coming. We're not walking, we're running. And we want your will and your way, our lives, our family's lives, our friends' lives, our kids' lives. You are the one that brings the puzzle together. And we trust you. We love you. And we thank you that on that silent night, you knew that you would rise again from the grave. So Luke 2 to Luke 24, we celebrate Jesus Christ. Full manger, empty tomb. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.